Welcome to Curtain Jerks here on the Comedy Podcast Network. I'm Mark Borzeka. I'm Steve Sears. I'm Scott Narver. I'm Brett Cannell. And we are all comedians living here in Los Angeles. And of course, we're all huge pro wrestling fans. And this week, our top story is actually that the WWE is requiring all of their talent, all of their wrestlers, to get medical insurance. They have to now get medical insurance. And we were just kind of wondering, what is this like when these guys go in and apply for medical insurance? So actually, we... So now we present to you um, a possible scenario of what it might be like when The Undertaker goes in to get his medical insurance. Thank you for coming in today, Mr. Calloway. Call me Undertaker. Yeah, I'm aware that you're a WWE performer, Mr. Calloway. Call me Undertaker. But your name is Mark Calloway. I live the gimmick, bro. Okay, Undertaker, you're here to apply for medical insurance. I gotta ask you a little bit about your medical status. (laughs) Are you a smoker? I was accidentally lit on fire during my ring entrance at the 2010 Elimination Chamber. And that caused you to smoke? Smoke was coming off my body, yes. Any tattoos? We need to know because of the needle use. Yes, many. Oh, oh, I see, yes. There are tattoos on your arms, shoulders, back, and one on your throat? There's not one on my throat. Well, yes, it's faded, but I can see it. Don't go there, bro. It says, uh, let me see here, it says Sarah. (laughs) Why? Why did you leave me, Sarah? (laughs) Every time I make love to Michelle McCool, I think of you, Sarah. And your brief appearances on WWE TV circa 2001. Why? Okay, okay, okay. Look, do you have any pre-existing conditions? Yes, I'm dead. I'm sorry? I'm the dead man. Each time I've been buried, I return from the darkness and vanquish my enemies. Sir, you're not taking this seriously. You underestimate my powers. Listen to this. That's the church next door. It's 1 p.m. Okay. Listen to this. Yeah, it was supposed to rain today. What about this? Ah, Get your hand off my neck. I'm about to choke slam you to hell. Here I go. Ah, ah. Come on. It's not working. <laughs> Let me try this again. All right. I have magical powers from what? the underworld. Right, now, I think your opponent helps out with that move quite a bit. Like, sit down. What is going on here? The Undertaker fears nothing except for escalating premiums and low coverage caps. I see. I see. Look, I can find you a plan with a low premium and no coverage caps. You promise? Yeah. Let's try this again. Mr. Calloway. You can call me Mark. Let's see. It might have gone like that. It might have gone like that. There is lots of wrestling news going on this week. And as always, we just talk about the news that's interesting to us in the world of pro wrestling over the past week. Well, the top thing was WWE wrestlers buying health insurance. Also, UFC has insured all 350 of their fighters. So there's lots of health insurance news this week, guys. That's kind of interesting. You think that... Which one do you think is more damaging? I don't know. UFC. Pro wrestling. Yeah. But I'll because tell you what. The, to be clear on their thing with the insurance is if you still get hurt in the ring and you need surgery and stuff like that, then while WWE in the still ring? covers. Like it, if job performance that related. badly in the ring at that yeah, moment. It happens, boy. It happens. Uh, if you need, if it was job related as the reason why you're hurt, then the WWE still covers for it. What they don't cover anymore is anything that happens outside of that. Cosmetic. Yeah. Cosmetic. Yeah. Rock getting, jobs, uh, tattoo removal. Oh, that kind of stuff. They don't yeah. cover that anymore. Exploding uh, breast implants. 
Ooh. That happens sometimes. Oh, well, it's going to be happening a lot more Vicky now with, uh, with Karma. With Karma. She's going to explode a lot of breast implants. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or when Steve goes to live events and jumps the rail. Hiya! <laughs> great. It's right. great, Steve. It's All right. great for our volume on our levels when you just scream at full voice and force into microphones. <laughs> He's so happy with himself, too, when he does it. <laughs> The, uh, the uh, TNA. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, uh, you please. were saying that wrestling was was Who more damaging than UFC. I'm pointing at Scott, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I believe so because you have uh, a referee who's stopping something happening in UFC when it gets bad. Like somebody's getting hit too much, and it's you have to defend yourself intelligently, um, and then they'll stop you and have medics rush in right away. I mean, how many when you have would... to walk to the back if you have a torn quadricep? You still have to walk to the back in order to get to the trainer that just will actually help. Not to your music, not to your music, and just walk on back. Wave to the fans. What are you crippled, Stone Cold? All right, we'll get up. We'll help you once you get yeah, to the back. What the, is it like? The three hundred yards away. Let's give just the get thumbs there. up. Go up the ramp. Come on, you can do this. All right. So you ripped your chest muscle off the bone. We need you to wrestle tomorrow night, and then we're going to set that up in a storyline. But you do need to do a seven-minute match tomorrow, and you have an autograph session in the morning. Yeah. Okay, but you, you are injured. You are injured. So we're going to wrap up your your midsection. We're going to wrap up your midsection yeah, so yeah. we can keep your guts in. Okay, because we got this great idea for Primo, and he's going to take you out. Yeah. Then we're going to we're going to forget about that when you come back in nine months. Though. Triple H finished both his matches when he tore his quad. Finished them. Did yeah. he? Mm-hmm. And took Twice. leg submission maneuvers too. Yeah. Yeah. Would you think he'd just say, you know what, give me a chin lock. Just, <laughs> just work the chin right now. Okay. No, I can feel it. The piece of my leg just went up in my boot. It's they in did my that. Boot. When Cena tore his bicep or whatever too, he still had to do the attitude adjustment and the FU. And it was like, you could tell it was so weak when he was doing it. Yeah. It was just like, <laughs> and it, was, it happened when he wrestled Kennedy and then he gets no credit for it. It's Orton taking him out as yeah. Taron putting him on the shelf. Amen. Take that, Kennedy. Orton. Well, TNA has, I guess, become Impact Wrestling, and they've debuted their new Impact Wrestling show. And um, it's got a new intro. It's got a new look. It's got new ring rope. Can you sing the song, Mark? It's got new music. Yeah, it's like, Impact Wrestling. We're wrestling with Impact. No, I don't know. I just made that up. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Very the, similar to the intro to a WWE <laughs> with so, all those past legends and stuff in it. It looks completely different, but it's the exact same content. So if you were looking for a different style of wrestling show, that didn't happen. But one of the things they did this past week was they um, they bought some billboards in Stamford, Connecticut, where the WWE headquarters are that advertise Impact Wrestling. Pretty badass, huh? I say mockingly. Pretty brazen. Pretty brazen. <laughs> Are they just billboards of abyss? Just looking at Vince and pointing at him? No, it's it's Hogan, of course. It's Hogan in the foreground. How uh, do they really think that a lot of WWE's core audience comes out of Stanford, Connecticut, yeah. though? <laughs> I imagine a lot of locals being like, hey, they really misspelled that WWE billboard. <laughs> I think they're trying to intimidate WWE. They're very intimidating with their low uh, television ratings and non-existent <laughs> pay-per-view buy rates. If they want to intimidate them, they should put on a house show in their parking lot. That's what they should do. <laughs> Why would that intimidate them? They should leave Florida every now and then. That might help them. As well. Whoa, whoa, that's too much, man. That's way too scary. They're going to leave Florida. They're battling for ticket sales in Kansas City, Missouri, and Chicago, Illinois. and No, they're not. Jer- Jared just walking up 
to the parking lot with an empty guitar. Just like, I'll hit you. I'll hit one of you that walks out. You know what? That's what they should, they should have Jeff Jarrett in front of Titan Towers hitting employees as they go into work. That, <laughs> with, would, that would put the fear of God. With, with, with his cardboard guitarist. Yeah, just be like, Or marrying fuck. everybody's wives. Yeah. <laughs> Marrying or assaulting people in the parking lot of WWE headquarters, I think, would really take this competition to a new level. Just trying to take Linda away. Yeah. Hey, is that your wife? I'm gonna marry her. Yeah. <laughs> introduce me. Come on, introduce me. Here's what Jim Ross said on his blog in response to these TNA billboards. He said, <laughs> "Yes." Oh, that's really cruel, Scott. What? Brett's making that face. <laughs> Scott was just doing the sound to go with that face. He's making the chair. I'm going to read this minus a Jim but Ross just before impression. But before we describe it, I just want to point out that uh, Brett's JR face looks like the bitter beer guy who swallows his own chin. <laughs> Here's what he said. Yes, I heard about TNA putting up billboards in Stanford, Connecticut, which is the world headquarters of WWE. Thoughts? A complete waste of money, unless obscure mentions such as this one is what TNA is looking for. Silly expenditure of money, in my opinion. One would think that organization would have bigger and more important fish to fry. However, what TNA does isn't any of my business or concern, but the question was asked and now has been addressed. I would guess that the many WWE Stanford-based I would guess that many WWE Stanford-based employees learned of TNA for the first time via the local billboards. <laughs> so, hey, maybe it's working. That's my, my barbecue sauce. <laughs> fish to fry. We have fried fish. Available you know what's restaurant. good on that fried fish? Some good old JR barbecue sauce. We're shipping some honey mustard. <laughs> <laughs> I love it when he sneaks it. Do any of you guys follow Jim Ross on Twitter? No. He just sneaks in plugs for his uh, for his products, so they're almost exactly like what we were just doing. Like he'll be like, "Excited to see the Rock tonight on Monday Night Raw." Got JR's barbecue sauce. <laughs> so that's sneaking it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, is, that is sly, super subtle, it's very sneaky. Oh boy, the Rock, man, I'm hungry. <laughs> I, that blog of his is always sort of... I think it's really interesting. You mean his face? That's not cool, Steve. Oh, I didn't say blob. I said blog. Oh, It's really tasteless. No, I like tasteless? it. Tasteless? You know what's not tasteless <laughs> is Jared's barbecue sauce. sauce. Get some jerky sauce. That's how much. You can get a, a 18-pack for $52. <laughs> Comes with an autographed bar, uh, cowboy hat. And JR's cookbook from 1995. <laughs> Well, is I think with his, the recipe for stone cold waffles. I'll <laughs> <laughs> oh, forget it. Uh, it was wrestling mask night in Anaheim. Fans of the Anaheim Angels made history by breaking the Guinness World Record for the largest gathering of people wearing costumed masks: forty thousand one hundred and twenty-eight. Gentlemen, we missed out. Why didn't we attend? This is only 45 minutes Wasn't from Wasn't there we a huge spike in liquor store robberies that night in Anaheim? Also? <laughs> yeah. It was very strange. Yeah, and Ray Mysterio was arrested multiple times <laughs> yeah. in connection with the... <laughs> they just kept getting calls. Like, Ray Mysterio just robbed another 7-Eleven. He should be doing okay. He's got a pretty big contract, right? <laughs> Sin Cara is still in the interrogation room, too, because he won't answer any other questions. <laughs> you talk, goddammit. You shut your... Don't look at me like that. We know you did it. We got pictures of you all over town robbing liquor stores. God damn it, we don't have anything to hold him. <laughs> well, there's a rumor that Vince McMahon is now going to try to beat this record at the next WrestleMania that they may promote a Rey Mysterio versus Sin Cara match, which I think they were going to do anyways, and then encourage everybody to, to put the masks on for this at WrestleMania for the match, and they could easily beat that record because they'll probably have 75,000 people at the show. Are they just going to hand out masks? 
I don't know. Yeah, probably, right? I think it's a shame to take a bunch of wrestling fans as it is that are dateless losers and make them even more dateless losers by putting a mask on their face. And also being at WrestleMania and having the possibility of having their mask be on wrong and then like be like, I gotta keep it on during the match and then not get to see the match. (laughs) Wait, Scott, does that mean we're wrestling fans? Does that mean we're dateless losers? No, you guys have girlfriends. It was a knock on myself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) ROH has... Oh, go ahead, Brad. I think that's the wrong message too because if at a baseball game everybody's wearing wrestling masks, then shouldn't they be wearing baseball hats at a wrestling event? Yeah, yeah, we should get them back. Yeah. Okay, that was my point. ROH has signed a deal with... uh, Sorry, Anaheim... What? It's actually it was, the Los Angeles the, Angels. Los Angeles Angels okay. of Anaheim. California. But it was in Anaheim. On the That's west coast right, yeah. of they play, USA. They play in Anaheim. Yes. Formerly known as Anaheim Angels. Steve, you're actually Los wearing Angels, Angels. Angels colors right now. Hey, you are. I'm not a fan. I just was doing this to be ironic. Are you sure? No. Which, I have a quick story. Uh, one time going to Disneyland uh, on Gay Pride Day, that is the same color that they wear. Um, and so everybody Disney in Anaheim, or everyone in Anaheim, no, the the gay pride color is that red color that is the same color as the Anaheim Angels. So when we went there that day, there were to just, celebrate gay pride. Uh, yeah, because I know you couldn't be there that day, Brett. So mm-hmm. I went for you. Because I was with my girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Where were you with uh, With my family. Okay. Who are all gay? <laughs> all of them, <laughs> which is really strange. They still haven't explained it in full yet. Uh, so I went there. Why am I here? <laughs> and. Uh, uh, there was just tons of people looking like Steve and uh, <laughs> the occasional sad father and son dressed in their angel shirts with the exact same color looking around like, no, no, we're, we're a angels couple of fans. masculine guys. We're, we're sports fans. It's There's my fun. son. It's my son. It's the, oh, oh. There's <laughs> make out on the Indiana but... Jones ride. <laughs> Because ordinarily coming to Disneyland and uh, matching outfits isn't isn't questionable. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I went to Disneyland and it was Day of the Bat, so everyone looked like cyberpunk goths, and that was pretty strange. Is that something that Disney like promotes, or people just do it on they, their own? They have, I think Disneyland promotes these sort of theme days, one of them being Gay Pride Day and the other one being cyberpunk goth. Wow. Well, listen to this I, gentleman. <laughs> Ring of Honor, otherwise Mark, known as Mark, ROH, has signed smart, a deal. Cyberpunk Goths. Yeah, oh, I heard you. Okay. Has signed a deal. They've actually sold the company to uh, Sinclair Broadcast Group, which is a broadcast company. They syndicate throughout the country. They've got clearances in 22% of the country. So that means um, it's a step up. It's certainly, look, not as big as the you know WWE clearances or, or TNA, but... It's a big step up for them. They're going to have a weekly television show now starting in September. It's going to be a higher production value than their HD net show was. And they're going to be heavily broadcast on the East Coast and live internet streaming of the show, or live internet streaming of the show every single week on their website. So a step forward for them. And there's some good people involved. Kevin Kelly's going to be the lead announcer and he's worked for them for a while. And Jim Cornette's going to stay on as executive, Randy the Ram. executive producer. <laughs> and, Randy the Ram will they're, be coming back. They're trying to sign Randy the Ram. They're yeah. going to need a new theme song too, right? What, what was their old theme song, Scott? Sing it for us. Ruh, ruh, we are Ruh. Ruh stands for Ring of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's exactly how it went. You had to invest in order to understand the product. That was their whole key. Well, so was their, was their NASDAQ symbol? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to this. I think anything that gives another promotion... 
a chance right now is a good thing, especially a really grounded wrestling-based promotion. ROH is great. they got a lot of good stars. I'm glad to see that they're moving forward. Are they going to be on the West Coast at all? You it doesn't, it predominantly it doesn't look like it. it. It looks like the furthest West they are is... Um, the Internet? Is Vegas and then the Internet. Yeah, it's almost... They're, I West mean, they Coast almost, Internet? They almost exclusively run the East Coast and a little bit of the Midwest now. They don't come out to the West very much. So, that, But that's where they, they're always touring mostly on the East Coast, yeah, right? Yeah, It's mostly. kind of a shame that they don't have a deal where they have can break into the Western market. Yeah. Because I'd like to see them. I don't think I'm ever going to be able to get to go to an ROH show, but I'd want to be able to see it on TV. You can stream it on your internets. Uh, anytime or just during the show? You can do it right anytime. now, Steve. I'm going to be streaming it on the internets right after this show. Well, <laughs> let's see. Um, in a very comfortable shirt and shorts. <laughs> we um, Go Angels. <laughs> well, last week we started a new segment on the show, and this is courtesy of the website Cage Side Seats. Uh, you know, every, the WWE creative team, you know, people quit all the time. There's a, really, there's, a really <laughs> <laughs> there's a really high turnover there. And whenever people quit, they do interviews with wrestling media. And they always have hated their experience there, and they tell crazy stories about horrible things that happened. And Cage Side Seats have collected some of these, and we're going to read one or two of them every week. This one... They have titled Madigan's Misery. The adventures of Sino evil writer Dan Madigan in WWE are probably deserving of a section of their own. Indeed, Madigan had a crazier time than most. As noted to Power Slam magazine in 2008, he was initially a golden boy in WWE since Vince loved the dire and sophomoric Sino evil. Uh, but Madigan quickly fell out of favor after pitching a strange idea in a creative meeting. Greatly misjudging Vince's mood one day, Madigan pushed the sensational idea of Baron von Bava, a Nazi cyborg, frozen in the days of World War II in a secret cave in the Swiss Alps, and thought out after 50 years intent on carrying on the work of Hitler. Better yet, it would be revealed that Paul Heyman, who is Jewish, would be his new manager, in, <laughs> intent, <laughs> intent on unleashing this Nazi monster on the world. Madigan also suggested that the character would goose-step to the ring and then, got, pr- then promptly got up in the meeting and began goose-stepping to show Vince and the rest of the writers how it would work. After Madigan had pitched the idea, everything went quiet. Then after a few seconds of silence, a stunned Vince, in a rare moment of modesty and taste, slowly got up from his chair, put on his coat and grabbed his briefcase, then walked out of the room without uttering a word. The rest of the writing team were equally shocked. After Vince <laughs> left, no one else in the meeting knew what to say. Madigan was unrepentant and explained, I thought these were good ideas. Inside my mind, it worked out well. <laughs> it's like Steve for every pitch meeting we have. <laughs> well, come on. How would a cyborg be frozen for 50 years? It's got all those cybernetic stuff that would probably corrode in the ice. Am I right? <laughs> Okay, I don't know if anybody was arguing the logistics of whether you could freeze a Nazi for 50 years. Well, not a cyborg. uh, Didn't JBL, one time he goose-stepped around the ring in In, Germany, Germany, and he almost got arrested for it? Because that's against the law to do it, yeah. Oh, it's against the law to do it? I think it's against the law in Germany to make any sort of reference to Nazis. Well, not any sort of reference, but it's <laughs> goose They, they are a living reference. <laughs> They're all German. No, if you ask any German, they'll deny it. <laughs> so it's not in the history books there? We cannot uh, talk about it. Uh, I'm sorry, though. No. We lost power for quite a few years. Yeah. There's a Please stop asking me, Mr. National Mr. Yeah, no, please stop asking. I cannot no talk more, about Gino, it. No more, No more. We cannot talk about this. <laughs> but is it against the lottery for the Nazi cyborgs? If he had done a Nazi cyborg goose step, he could 
have got away with it, I think. How yeah, would, yeah. would that be if, he did, if everything <laughs> above the waist was doing the, the robot? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then that would be fine. Mm-hmm. Because he's a robot, he can't bend his knees. I love picturing this guy who is doing the pitch, and it's, uh, you know, just afterwards, like, <gasps> <gasps> what, what do you think? think? <laughs> <laughs> Breathing just, on I his imagine. knees, like, after, like, sliding at the end with a big climactic finish in jazz hands. <laughs> I Vince imagine just, there being a, a window uh, in the meeting, so while he's doing all of this, and Zikailing <laughs> and, and goose-stepping around, you can't hear anything except the occasional, and he's a cyborg, and then marching back and forth. And then you got a guy like Triple H, and he's not for when the cyborg comes over, he goose steps him right the balls, and then he keeps going. <sighs> what do you think? <laughs> and nothing. <laughs> well, it's been a while since we've done a grab bag segment on the show. This is a reoccurring thing that we do here, but it's been a few shows. But we've got a new one today because, actually, in real life, there are rumors going around that WWE is considering bringing back managers. It was something they banned a long time ago. Because, you know, Vince McMahon really wants to get rid of all the things that remind him of old school territorial wrestling. And managers, of course, was one of those things. But they're considering bringing it, bringing it back. And um, the rumor is that Michael Hayes or Michael P.S. Hayes or Doc Hendricks, uh, as he's been known, uh, is going to be the new manager for Tyson Kidd. But we decided that we would... Um, we would do a grab bag segment here and see if we could come up with some new managers for some of the current WWE stars, right? So mm-hmm. we each wrote uh, names of a bunch of uh, potential managers, and then we each wrote names of a bunch of current WWE stars, and we're each going to pull one star and one manager and read that off and then discuss why this would be a great combination. This would be a great combination. Steve, do you want to go first? Okay. All right. What's first, wrestlers or managers? Uh, well, they're they're gonna have to go hand in hand. Hand so. in hand, buddy. So Stupid either way, ass. <laughs> we're pairing them up. Okay, the wrestler will be yes, John Cena. John Cena, Ooh. notoriously bad on the mic. Uh-huh. Always could use some help. Yeah. <laughs> Famous. <laughs> Very bad people could uh, hold their interest in watching him. John Cena and his new manager, Don Rickles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, that road schedule is going to be hell for Mr. Rickles. Well, he's a tenacious, uh, he's a tenacious older comic. I think that uh, Don Rickles' ability to put down the entire audience and picking out uh, a pen- potential uh, marks, I assume, that he could just rip apart of the ring if he feels like he's not uh, offending everybody. He can just pick out one fat fan and just make them feel really bad about themselves. Yeah, and he's very sharp-tongued and often racist, which I think Vince McMahon will like. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. McMahon loves that, so he'll always be he'll always be giving Rickles a uh, a back massage right before. It's like, hey, go get out there, you know, you're gonna really get this going. You're gonna really piss everybody off. Mm-hmm. Cena's so cookie cutter that that might be a very nice manager for him to like, because you know they flirt with a uh, should Cena ever turn heel, mm-hmm. that actually could help him do it right there, because Rickles could make fun of fat people in the audience, and then Cena could be like, it's not me. But and then they'll end up hating him anyway. They are both showmen, too. Uh, they mm-hmm. both uh, have a musical background. So Rickles sings at his shows and comes up with songs, and Cena is a rapper. So, yeah. Big time you know, rapper. work the two together. Big time. How would they finally split? What would be the final straw? Uh, I believe Don Rickles would pass away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a very short storyline. Yeah. But, but somber. <laughs> a very somber storyline. Yeah. With 90-year-old mm-hmm. Don Rickles. It would obviously have been The Undertaker that would have taken him from... Mm-hmm. from 
That could be the that could be the match. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania match right there. Streak versus uh, Rick Soul. <laughs> Streak versus life. <laughs> Scott, you're up next. Alrighty. Scott's gonna pick a wrestler. Ooh, he's picking a manager. Whoa, first. he's picking a manager Ooh. first. Ooh. Unorthodox. Unorthodox. Ooh, Mr. Fuji. Ah, Ooh. He was a manager. Yes. Still alive, I think. Still alive. Yes. Yes. Lives in Hawaii. Complains about how it's uh, too costly to live there. Oh, and Michael Cole oh. as the wrestler. Oh. As the wrestler. Mr. Fuji will be representing Michael Cole. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, Groundbreaking. What's the what? Which which first? Which this? Is, I feel like this has to start big. It has to start at a pay per view somewhere. Like it's mm-hmm. gonna be teased, but you don't know who Michael Cole's over the is. limit. Is it gonna be over the limit? Mm-hmm. Ooh. Well, Mr. Fuji should appear and throw salt in Jerry Lawler's eyes. That's Definitely. what he's famous for. Yeah. yeah. I like that. Well, I think he'd have to be wheeled in to throw salt in his eyes. <laughs> I think be. Fuji is in a wheelchair now. <laughs> Well, there's something to be said about a manager that's in a wheelchair, right? I feel like we have something there. It's kind of controversial, but at the same time, accepting of different people. And they have those ramps there already. They do. And the fact that Michael Cole's been knighted, it wouldn't be unusual for him to ride in a throne that moves all the way down to the ring all the time. (laughs) Even if the cushion of the throne is Mr. Mr. Fuji. (laughs) And I think Michael Cole has had enough of this country, so he could be a Japanese sympathizer. Definitely. So he could... Go that route to yeah, get yeah. some more. And heat he's on. so behind on anything like that, as far as to garner any sort of heat from the audience, that he probably yeah. would go back to Pearl Harbor or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he hates Oklahoma, which is basically America. Right. It's the heartland of America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He'd be he'd now be Michael Colson. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Michael Cole, thank you for joining us. Uh, my wrestler Cole. is D. H. Smith. D.H. Smith. His new manager is George the Animal Steel. <laughs> oh, I think their mic skills are pretty much equal. <laughs> so would so, they have a third manager to translate? All right. Well, no. They're, oh, okay. You okay. mean a second? Uh, I'm sorry. A third member of their faction. All right. I'll pull one more manager name. This 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 will be the manager of George the Animal Steel. Okay. So George the Animal Steel will manage D.H. Smith. Well, he in fact has his well, own manager. Well, he in fact has his own manager. That's Angry Colonel Sanders. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. what it says on this piece of paper that I'm pretty sure Steve wrote. <laughs> angry <laughs> Colonel Sanders. What an asshole. So, <laughs> the guy who <laughs> ran Kentucky Fried Chicken is back from the dead and angry. Hold on, hear me out. What if it was the animated Colonel Sanders from the commercial, so you only see him on the Titantron? Then you should have written that. Why does it say giving... animated angry Colonel Sanders? Well, because I just wanted he to couldn't give you... spell it. I just wanted to give you guys some options because it could be that, or it could be a guy who's wearing one of those ice cream suits with a Kentucky tie, and he goes out there and he talks for both of them. It'd be pretty easy to keep George Animal Steel under control if you were whipping chicken breasts at him the whole time. <laughs> well, you put the chicken inside the turnbuckles, yeah, yeah. and then he'll rip those apart. I then... just imagine he's a, a silver-tongued sort of. He sounds like a uh, oh, so he's a Kentucky tongue. a Kentucky lawyer. So he's silver tongued. George saying. Animal Steel is green tongue. Yeah, yeah. And then D.H. Smith is... No tongue. Uh, right. No. <laughs> Cut out his tongue. <laughs> All right, Brett, you're up. Okay, let's see here. I've got... Reaching for the wrestler first. The Bella Twins. Oh. Okay. Ooh, and yeah. their new manager. Definitely indeed of a manager. The Red Rooster. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is, he's he looking... just left TNA. Terry T- Well, he Terry just got Taylor. fired from TNA, so he's yeah, looking he left. For, <laughs> he's looking he for a new gig. he wants to bring gig. back the rooster. That's why I. That's what I heard. My inside sources told me that he didn't want to work there in a in a executive capacity anymore. 
he wanted to be the Red Rooster again because there's so much story left to be told. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And feel the only like way that he got cut off. A the only too way he's going to be able to tell that story is a manager to the Bella Twins. Yeah, you know, really, the Red Rooster should have animated Angry Colonel Sanders as his manager. Well, where'd that piece shouldn't, of paper go? Shouldn't those two be together? I think so. Yeah, well, I think so. The, and at the it's, end a, of, it's a love hate relationship. It is because Colonel Sanders he wants to be his manager. He wants to make money off him, but he also wants to kill the Red Rooster, chop and him, serve up, him up, yeah, and yeah. serve him up in his special recipe. Yeah. <laughs> it is special. Colonel recipe, yeah. Well, see, what I had thought was uh, the Bella Twins always date and go out with each celebrity raw guest host, and Red Rooster wants to go back to the Attitude Era and live out those days of the Red Rooster, so he wanted to be the big, swollen red cock for the Bella Twins and just play that out. <laughs> one, uh, on e- uh, one on each arm. <laughs> you meant those to go together, didn't you? The Bella Twins and the Red no, Rooster? No, it's just uh, Kismet. Red Rooster wasn't the attitude area. I think you mean the big red cock. He wanted to to be in it. Oh, I see. Uh, Well, can I have the Red Rooster have another manager, too? Yeah, I think you should. Pick this one. So Red Rooster. Ah, too late. Uh, Jim Ross would be the Red Rooster's manager, (laughs) which this is even making it even more sense because he could slather him in his barbecue sauce (laughs) before every match. (laughs) All right, gentlemen, that is our grab bag segment for this week. And uh, those are always fun. We have no idea what what each person has written on these pieces of paper until we read them aloud. Especially Steve's. Live on the show. Pick this one. Um, No, I'm done. No, what, stop reaching what, for them. Pick what one? That one. That's the one. What does it say? It says, coked up Kurt Russell. <laughs> and who's his manager? <laughs> now pick a wrestler. No. Uh, Gabriel and Slater. Nice. No, not. You who, don't, who are Gabriel? Oh, there's the... Justin the, Gabriel oh, and Heath Of Slater. course, of course, from Nexus. Boring. Pick another wrestler. <laughs> Let us move on. Let us move on. Although that was, those are always fun, but you know, we want to take the um, the last chunk of the show here to talk about Randy Savage, who passed away. And of course, we all grew up wrestling fans, and uh, were really uh, shocked and sad to hear the news about Randy Savage passing away. But we want to talk a little bit about our favorite memories of uh, of Randy Savage to close out the show today, guys. What were what are some great memories you have of him as a performer? Well, I I was a huge Randy Savage fan, and this was like, a, you know, it's this these these kind of moments that make it tough to be a wrestling fan. With that, I mean, these guys go way too soon. I think, and we could there's a laundry list of people that have gone too quick. But uh, I think one of my favorite I, moments of his would be one of the first matches I ever saw of his when he won the Intercontinental Belt from Tito Santana, mm-hmm. uh, and it was the in the era that was just starting to be wrestler is more of a performance than the actual match. And, you know, he came out with Elizabeth. I mean, I would say actual like collar and elbow lockups in that match were minimal to him jumping out of the ring, refusing to tie up, putting Elizabeth in front of him. Yeah, All yeah. of that stuff that made his character so unbelievably cool and like uh, engaging. And uh, it was just awesome. And that was a great match. And then he ends up winning the belt by cheating. And then it's just a super cool moment. And it was a great match. I really thought it was really He fun. had the total package of everything you would want to be. No pun intended. Of anything, everything you would want to be a... Uh, <laughs> Take that, Luger. <laughs> of, of everything you would want in a pro wrestler, right? Like, he could talk. He was hilarious and fascinating on the microphone. He was engaging in the ring. He was one of the best. In his peak, he might have been the best wrestler in the country. 
and uh, he could work the crowd. I mean, he could do everything, right? He could do it all. It was a bigger-than-life character. Yeah. So you saw it, and, you know, it wasn't like anybody else you see. Uh, even what? coming out to Pomp and Circumstance, you know, like even <laughs> just the audacity to come out to a song like that and then own it the way that he did, and then the flashy robes, the, everything about it. just fantastic. There seemed to be no division between, like, the character he was and you'd see in promos and seeing him wrestle. Like, that's just what I assumed he was always like. Like, I, I have a very limited, like, understand. I haven't seen a lot of his matches, but he was one of those people that always seemed like that's what he was always like. There was no, it wasn't ever just a character he was putting on. It was the same with uh, with Flair for me. Like, I always sort of imagine him when he's wrestling and then when he's cutting a promo. That was just him. That was And the then person at home, like, and he's like, the cable bill needs to be paid. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. just, he always embodied it. There was no division. But Elizabeth! No. My favorite era was of Savage's career that I watched, and I first started uh, watching like 85, so that's when I first saw him, was um, that same era that you're talking about, Brett. I loved um, Savage as the heel intercontinental champion era, and of course the whole storyline with Steamboat. Uh, culminating their match at WrestleMania three was great. And I, you know, I grew up in um, in the Detroit area, so WrestleMania three. I mean, you can imagine how huge the buildup for WrestleMania three was in Detroit. Yeah. So being a kid in those few weeks leading up to WrestleMania three, I mean, it's it was all over the news. It was front page of the paper every day. It was really exciting because wrestling was like mainstream. It was what everyone in town was talking about. And Savage went on the uh, the local news. And he was being interviewed like the day before the show. And of course, I, I tuned in and watched it. And he, he was being interviewed live from the Pontiac Silverdome by the, the Channel 4 uh, sportscaster. And they were asking him all the stock questions like, are you going to beat Ricky Steamboat tomorrow? And, you know, Savage Answers in character. And, you know, are you excited about the show? And Savage Answers in character. And of course, Savage is like, you know, gesticulating the whole time. His arms are all over the place. His hands are all over. He's making all these gestures. And at the very end of the interview, the sportscaster just goes, if I tied your hands behind your back, could you still talk? And, w- <laughs> and without missing a beat whatsoever, Savage drops character and just goes, couldn't say a word. <laughs> it was so funny. Like He just completely came out of character for a second. Everybody, like, when you're watching cartoons as an adult and you see there's a joke that's been thrown in there, yeah. you know, just for the adults to get. It was kind of like that. It was really... I still remember that to this day. Awesome. One of my favorite... Uh, Memories going back and just watching a bunch of stuff yesterday uh, was watching the main event and remembering that as a kid, watching it with my brother when it was the Mega Powers versus uh, the Twin Towers and when he turned on Hogan. When oh, uh, of course, yeah. And realizing back, I was eight years old then and never seeing a heel turn before, like just getting into wrestling then and seeing something be that big, like seeing them be friends for that whole year and then seeing those little buds of jealousy or paranoia and then seeing him turn his back on him and going like no he's your friend don't Mm -hmm. you get it that actually using this whole thing yeah like it's okay like hogan tried to help her you don't understand (laughs) and actually learning about jealousy and friends uh turning their back on one another from that like it taught me a lot at that point because as eight years old i'm watching star wars and indiana jones and you know they don't go over that but Mm -hmm. Seeing it unfold there and seeing that major heel turn from watching a, a good guy and another guy be close friends and have it all go away and learning about it, uh, it just hit me that it was it was really big to see that and then culminate in that Mega Powers uh, explode match at WrestleMania Five. 
I was so invested in it. Yeah, it was the best uh, year-long storyline that they've ever done in the Vince McMahon era, I think, right? Because they never, I mean, the pace that wrestling moves at right now, you could never do a storyline like that. But it was a full one-year-long storyline. Like, it started the night of WrestleMania 4. Hogan helps Savage. Well, a little bit before that. But, I mean, it really started that night where Hogan helps Savage win the the WWF title. And then they and then they kind of through the year, like you said, you see these little seeds of jealousy yeah, or Savage problems. Savage staring at Hogan when Hogan hugs Elizabeth or something. Mm-hmm. And then also too watching it again, realizing what great storytelling it was, even with Jesse Ventura being the ultimate justifier that he is yeah, talking yeah. about the way that Savage sees it. So even as a kid to see it that way and to understand what Savage is thinking, but still think, but he's wrong. Why, mm-hmm. you know, just talk to him, figure it out. And then him attacking him in the back near the, where, where the gurney is and all the medical supplies and Hogan saying, you're wrong, Randy, you're wrong. Just, mm-hmm. that was huge. And that's one of my favorite moments of all time. Yeah, that's fantastic. He just knew his character so well. They, especially in WWE right now, it's like they work overtime. They have this creative team, which you, you know, as you said, could be an oxymoron. But the <laughs> WWE creative team that um, you know is trying to create and shape and control every minute of everybody's characters. But all those big draws from the '80s, including Savage, those guys all came up with their characters on their own. Yeah, they all created themselves. They all worked on them in the territories. And, uh, when WWE put out the Macho Man DVD. Which everybody should go get. Yeah, it's great. It's really great. A year or so ago, I especially enjoyed getting to see high-quality video of some of his early work when he was back in the territories and working in his dad's territory and when they did that promotion versus promotion feud and he had that feud with Jerry Lawler because Savage was phenomenal then and his character was even his character was scarier back then he was like this Charles Manson type like complete lunatic it was really great I think also another great moment was years later to uh, to be watching the Spider-Man movie in the theater with my friends, and then all of a sudden, you know, Bone Saw's ready. Like, holy yeah. shit, it's <laughs> Macho Man. Like, he's mainstream. Like he's in a gigantic movie. Nine years old too, and he looked fantastic. Yeah, it was yeah. such it was such a cool moment to see Macho Man get that part and in, mm-hmm. in the Spider-Man movie, which was my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, yeah, that is great. Yeah, that uh, I don't know if ironic is the right way to say it but it's like uh you know he was the last of everybody he was associated with as far as miss elizabeth and sensational sherry it's really surreal to think yeah. that they that sherry uh, elizabeth and savage have all died and died especially sherry and Sa- and elizabeth way before their time and savage i mean i think 58 is, is yeah, young yeah. Too, you know too young. yeah it's really surreal to think that all three of them are gone mm-hmm but I do want to mention uh, that reminds me just thinking about the three of them together it reminds me of the the Savage Ultimate Warrior match because I think oh, yeah. at WrestleMania uh, 7 right because mm-hmm. I think that uh, that match um, I think that that match was maybe the highest profile example of what a great a worker uh, Savage was because Warrior was awful he couldn't do anything in the ring and that is a phenomenal match mm-hmm. it's an incredible match it's one of the best matches in Wrestlemania it's one of the best in Savage's career and the storyline with Elizabeth showing up at the end was really fantastic but yeah that you know, emotional he, exclamation point to what was yeah. already great yeah 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 absolutely um, he was um, he was one of the best for sure mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that and as you said, Brett, that pomp and circumstance music. That as a kid to hear that and then to know that that's what you you graduate to. You right, walk right. the aisle for that. I was so excited about that when I was going to be graduating high school. <laughs> it's like macho man music. Like who didn't get in their robe and then just turn around and do the yeah. finger and like <laughs> twist it around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Brett has brought us uh, each a Slim Jim here today yeah. as a as a tribute to the Macho Man. So we're gonna, we're snapping Snap into our Slim Jims. And uh, finally remembering Macho Man, and glad that you've listened uh, to this show. Um, for Curtain Jerks, I'm Mark Warzeka. I'm Steve Sears. I'm Scott Narver. I'm Brett Cannell. Thanks to everyone here at the Comedy Podcast Network, especially our engineer, Meredith Spivey. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Dig it. For more funny stuff for your eyes and ears, go to ComedyPodcastNetwork.com.